So, all right, Hebrews chapter 11, and uh, the writer of this epistle uh, spends the first basically 10 chapters addressing uh, issues of doctrine, right? Uh, many of you have been through the all 10 chapters of that. You can say, I know, Pastor, I was here. I heard all the doctrine. I heard all that. It seemed like it just went on and on and on. And, um, and, and so doctrine is this. It, it, the, the writer talks about our position and who we are in Christ and uh, who they were in Christ before he would deal with uh, the practice or application. How many of you know that before you can walk this Christian walkout, you got to understand whose you are. Amen? Right? You belong to Jesus, then you can walk this thing out. you got to know your identity and who you are. So this, uh, this is a pattern that we see here is one that, uh, and I mentioned this last week, and I the, the, you know, slipped out of my lips, but it, it's a pattern that the Apostle Paul would use quite a bit. He'll slap a lot of doctrine at you in, in many of the other apostles, uh, the epistles, and then he'll give you some application at the end of those, those books. And so uh, this kind of hints that this could be, Paul, we don't know for sure, but all I know is it doesn't matter who wrote it. It's a beautiful book, and, uh, and it can change it. So after 10 chapters of doctrine, he ends uh, uh, Hebrews with three chapters of application. How many like to apply knowledge that you have? Right? As a Christian, we can get all this information, but it's important that we apply what has been given to us. That's, that's equally as important. So in the last three chapters, he deals with three uh, great virtues right here. Are you ready for this? In chapter 11, uh, he talks about the walk of faith. Everyone say faith. Chapter 12, he talks about the wisdom of hope. Everyone say hope. And then in chapter 13, he talks about the way of love. Everyone say love. What do we have there? Faith, hope, and love. I mean, those are themes that pop up in the New Testament over and over and over. And so it's a natural flow. And I believe the author, inspired by the Holy Spirit, meant for it to be this way. And it's written to keep the Jewish believers and us from going back to our traditions, all right? And uh, the Jews uh, that were believers in Christ, they were sifting and trying to go back to uh, uh, worship in the temple. And that's why chapter 11 is such a vital part of this book, because it takes faith to not go back to where you, to your traditions or your past. And the author is pleading here, he's saying, hey, you have been called to something new and you have been called to something different. And here's the thing, if we're going to walk this thing out, you must walk by what? Come on, everyone say faith. We walk by faith and not by, all right, some of you, know, some of you are readers of your word. I like this. And so, uh, so if you need a subheading for this, chapter 11, you could just put this, by faith, all right, if you're a note taker, by faith. Uh, uh, chapter 11, verse 1, now faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. This is the ESV version. Some of you have probably know this better in the King James Version, faith is the substance of things hoped for and the evidence of things not seen. Come on, how many learned it that way? A little bit different, but but things not seen is literally this. It's not just things not seen, it's things not yet seen, okay? Uh, you know, how many have ever been to Yosemite in here? Raise your hand if you've ever been to Yosemite. How many would like to see Yosemite at some point in your life? Okay. That is something that has not yet been seen with your physical eyes. You might have seen pictures of it, videos of it, or whatever the case. But until you get there, then you will see it, right? So faith is the substance of what 
of what is coming your way, even though you have not seen. So faith is not this, all right? A lot of people get, get this mixed up. Faith is not wishful thinking, okay? It's not based on, uh, it, 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 no, it, but it's based on the Word of God. It is based on the Word of God. Faith says, whether I see it presently or experience it immediately, I know that God says he'll do it and he will come through, whether that's in this lifetime or the next, all right? How many know what I'm talking about? I've heard it also said like this, faith is where courage and action intersect, all right? Faith is where action, right, um, and, and courage intersect, and I like that. You know, if you want to uh, go cliff jumping off of a cliff, it takes that first step of faith to jump off the cliff. It takes courage and it takes action, right? And so that's it. So I'll, I'll give you a good example here in Daniel chapter 3, verse 16 through 18. It says this, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego answered, and they said to the king, how many know this old story right here? Oh, Nebuchadnezzar, we have no need to answer you in this matter. And, and verse 17 and, you know, the king is trying to tell them, hey, you have to bow down. And you guys didn't bow down when, the, when they started playing the music to my statue. And you have to bow down. And they say, we don't have to answer you in this matter. If this be so, our God, whom we serve, is able to deliver us from the burning, fiery furnace. And he will deliver us out of your hand, O king. How many know that takes faith to say something like that? Right? They haven't seen it yet, but hey, I'm, I'm going to tell you that. But look at this, verse 18. This, this is a little step further. But if not, we believe God could take us out, out of your hands. But if not, now that is a tough statement for all of us. What happens when God doesn't answer our prayer the way that we think he should? But if not, this is why these guys had faith. But if not, be it known to you, O king, that we will not serve your gods or worship the golden image that you have set up. It doesn't matter. We trust God. We have faith in God. If he saves me, if he doesn't save me, I will stand for him. That's faith. Look at this. Verse 2 says this. For by it, the people of old received their commendation. All right. When you guys walked into this church tonight, you had faith. Let me tell you why you had faith. Not because you walked into a church building. You had faith in the architect who designed this building. You know why? Because you walked in, you didn't even think about the ceiling falling on you, right? Your hope is that the architect and the builders were smart enough to make this thing right, and you walked in and just happy-go-lucky, it's going to be all right. When you sat down in one of those green chairs right there, you had faith that the engineer of that chair and that, that metal and that, that cushion would hold you up, right? Some of you didn't even think about it when you sat down. It takes faith to sit there. You, you just trusted uh, those things. When you drove your car down 37 on the way here, hey, and you were going 55, 65, 75, 85, come on, sound like an auctioneer, 95, all right, no, uh, and, and you were going down the road, you, you had faith that the engineers of your vehicle Come on, properly put it together. Those who assembled it, put it together that your brakes were going to work, right? You had faith. You, you may not even have realized it, but you had faith that it would work. And those are all examples of faith. It's amazing to me the things in this world that we put our faith in each and every day. And we have plenty of faith uh, uh, of the makers of, of Ford. Come on, somebody. Or Chevy or Nissan, or whatever, Dodge, or whatever you drive. 
And we have faith in the engineers of these chairs. We trust that, hey, when I sit down, it's going to be, or when we walk into this building, that it's not going to collapse on me because somebody did all the work to, so, but, but when it comes to God, why does our faith waver? It shouldn't be that way. It really shouldn't be that way. Uh, and so what, what the scripture is telling us, the elders ha- here had faith that God's will shall be worked out ultimately and that, and that it will be good however it turns out. Whether I live, whether I die, whatever the case, I trust God. All right? That's real faith. Oh, man, you know, some of us think faith is a genie in the bottle. God, help me do this. God, do this for me. God, do this for me. But faith is, God, I will trust you regardless of whatever, how this turns out. I'll put my faith and trust in you. If you heal me, great. If you don't, great. You know, if you, if you, if you give me this job, great. If you don't give me this job, great. Does, God, I will trust you. Here's what I need you to understand. We don't put our faith in faith. What do you mean? Sometimes we put our faith in faith, like, uh, like, like faith, uh, you know, a, a positive confession or a, or a forespoken word have been, have been deluged in, in the charismatic movement and Pentecostal movements at times, you know, where people have, have miscalculated and say, all you got to do is just speak it in faith. I think you ought to have faith, but listen, you got to, faith is not, you know, you got to trust God, right, and not the faith that you're leaning into God, amen? So we put our faith in God. We put our faith in the Father. We put our faith in the Son. We put our faith in the Holy Spirit. And faith in God is, is like the three Hebrew boys where, where uh, uh, you know, they know that God can deliver them. But if he doesn't, hey, I'm going to be okay with the outcome because I trust you, Lord. Your ways are higher than my ways. I don't always understand it. I don't have to understand it till I get to the other side of heaven. And then I'll, I'll understand what you were trying to accomplish. But, God, I trust you. All things work together for the good of them that love the Lord and are called according to his purpose. What the scripture tells us, right? So we just got to trust him. So, uh, so it's saying, Lord, I, I trust you. And whatever you choose to do in my situation. And sometimes, come on, I, I'll tell you this. Sometimes the Lord says yes to our prayers, right? Sometimes the Lord says no. And sometimes the Lord says, let's think about it. Let's wait. Right? That's good stuff right there. All right, look, verse 3 says this. By faith we understand that the universe was created by the word of God. So if you believe uh, that God spoke, I mean, how many know that Genesis tells us that God spoke and the universe was created? It's, it's amazing to me, and it came into existence. And if you believe that, listen, you are in a great cloud of witnesses of people of faith who also believe the same thing. So look at this. So it says this, so that, that, uh, so that what is seen was not made out of things that are visible. This is amazing. This little bit of scripture right here, you could read this really fast and go over this and not really understand exactly what this is saying. This writer is writing this. He's inspired by the Holy Spirit, and he is predicting something that 2,000 years later we can look at and go, this guy is spot on because the Holy Spirit's telling him something. This is amazing to me. 2,000 years later, uh, we find out everything, listen, they didn't know this then, everything is made of atoms, right? Which are what? Invisible. You, we can't see them. Everything, the air you're breathing, it's full of atoms. The water you drink, all those things. Like, I mean, that's an element. But you know, it all comes together. So look, look at this. So they are invisible. But yes, when you break down the atom a little bit further, right? What is the material of an atom? It's energy. Actually, it's not even really content, right? 
it's, it's pretty amazing to me. It's a, it's, you enter the area of energy. So the further that we dig into science, the more you realize that everything is ma- made out of which you and I cannot see. Just the way God designed it. It's not material, but, but energy. Thus the writer uh, uh, was, was 2,000 years ahead of science. Why? Because he was simply inspired by the Holy Spirit. How many know that the Holy Spirit will lead you into what? All truth. From 2,000 years before we understood this, or he could even wrap our head around, Holy Spirit already knew. Amen. Look at this, verse 4. By faith, all right, now we're going to go down along this here uh, and, and in order of how these, how these transpired. By faith, Abel offered to God a more acceptable sacrifice. How many remember the story of Cain and Abel? In the Bible, one Sunday school story, I remember learning about it. Through which he was uh, commended as righteous, that was Abel, but God commending him by accepting his gift. And through his faith, though he died, he still speaks. This is amazing to me. Not only was Cain sacrificed, Cain brought vegetables, right? And, and, and they were unacceptable because it wasn't really uh, uh, the vegetables that, that drew it off, but it was Cain bringing his best effort. Now, Abel brought the lamb, right? He brought the lamb before the Lord to sacrifice. And it was acceptable because, uh, because it was not about him. It was about something else. How many know that Jesus Christ is the lamb of God who was slain before the foundations of the earth? Amen. It's not about you. It's about him. It's not about my works. This tells me that I cannot work my way into heaven. It's by grace I have been saved. Amen. It's a free gift that God has given me. You hear me say that like a broken record because I need you to understand you cannot work your fingers to the bone and get your way to heaven. It's by faith in Jesus Christ. That's it. And this realization would, would, would you know, and understanding this would stab the, the, uh, the Jewish believers in the heart because they took such great pride in their rituals and their traditions and their festivals and their ceremonies at an attempt to spirituality, listen, those things, though they're not bad, not all tradition is bad, but it's by grace you have been saved. Listen, go feed the homeless. Read your Bible. Pray. Those are all great things, but they, man, they'll help you on your way to heaven, but they will not get you saved. Okay? So, all right, listen, verse 5 says this, by faith Enoch has taken, uh, taken up so that he should not see death. And he was not found because God had taken him. So this guy's cool. I mean, how cool is it that you have such a good relationship with the Lord? And he's just like, you know what? Why don't you just come on up here? That's amazing. That blows my mind. We can't even comprehend that, right? Those who believe that the uh, uh, that the church will go through that will go through the tribulation, that the time where Christ is is rejecting uh, a Christ rejecting world is judged. Uh, they use Noah as their proof here. And, and, and I, I know I'm getting a little bit ahead of myself, but I want to show you, show you something here. They say, even though the rain fell, Noah and his family were safe and protected in the ark. And so they say, hey, the church is going to go through seven years of tribulation, and God is going to sustain them. I say that's not so. Let me tell you why. Because Enoch came before Noah. And, and listen, and, and, and because Noah is a picture t- uh, t- of the Jewish people who are going to go through tribulation, Revelation chapter 7 says, and they're going to, uh, God's going to work their hearts. He's going to change their hearts through this process. But the church, the bride of, of Christ is pictured by Enoch who were before the story of Noah were what? He was caught up. He was translated. We were raptured. We'll be taken out. Amen. So caught up. Before the rain, uh, before any judgment took place. So look at this. Now, before he was taken, he was uh, commended as having 
pleased God. Man, one of the greatest things that we can learn and, and have as believers, when we get to heaven, when God says, huh, well done, my good and faithful servant. When God commends you on the work that you've done and how, how you've, you've loved and you follow the Lord with all your heart. Those are beautiful things that to hear. And I don't know about you, but if the scripture was writing my story, and I love the Bible, it's, it's heroes. It always gives the, the dirt on their heroes, right? King David, great guy. Hey, guy after God's own heart. Oh, yeah, he had an affair. Oh, yeah, he murdered somebody. Oh, yeah, he acted crazy. Oh, yeah, he went to the Philistine side for a minute. And like, I mean, like he, it gives all the good, bad, and the ugly. Now, what other book? puts their, their, their top people in the, in the worst light. The Bible always shows the flaws of human. You know why, what that shows? That we need a Savior. Amen? And I don't know about you. I need a Savior. And, and they asked Jesus, they said, how, how, do you, how do you do the works of the Father? And Jesus told them this. It's, this is how you do the work of the Father or please God. John 6.29 says this, that you believe on him who the Father has sent. That's what he's saying, yeah, that you believe on him who the Father sent. You still got to believe in him, guys. That's what he's saying right there, right? And how do you please the Father? You believe on the Son. It's real simple. Verse 6 says this, and without faith it is impossible to please him, for whoever would draw near to God must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who seek him. This is a powerful bit of scripture. I want to I talk about two keys. It, it, there's two keys to faith, all right? Real fast. The first is to believe that God is. Amen? God is. Uh, you know, who do, who do you say you are, Moses asked. And, and God said this in Exodus 3.14. I am that I am. That's a big statement. I am that I am. And that, he said it long before Popeye, right? Uh, I am what I am. No, I am that I am. In other words, God is saying this. I am what you Need on a lonely night, he is your friend. When you're confused, don't know where to go, he is a door. In a fog or in a haze, he is the good shepherd. Come on, are you hearing me? And faith hopes for unseen because it believes God is. So, secondly, faith uh, believe believes God is the one who meets the needs deep within. Our hearts, okay? It's one thing to believe on God, but it's another thing to believe that God will take care of all the needs and everything that you need. And there are, there are those who believe that God is, but they don't really seek him, right? I, all I have to do is go to Walmart and go up to a lot of people and say, hey, are you a Christian? I am a Christian. And, oh, yeah, how's your relationship with God? I don't know. I haven't been to church in six months, seven months. I went back at Easter, and then before that I went at Christmas, and I went at Mother's Day, you know, and I'm not, I'm not knocking those people, but they're, they're people who are not diligently seeking. The Bible says that, <laughs> Scripture tells us that if we seek him with all our heart, that we will what? Find him. Let me ask you this. Are you seeking the Lord with all your heart? Why does God reward those who diligently seek him? And why, why not believe he, you know, why, why, do we, why do we struggle with believing that God is whatever we need? Why do we struggle with that? I don't, I don't understand that as believers. Sometimes we, we, we just do that. But God knows that when we seek him diligently with all our heart, there are, there are very things for which we seek him will fade in comparison. So like, hey, you know, sometimes we, we treat God like a, like a genie in a bottle or like Santa Claus. God, I need this, right? 
And God's like, oh, they need a car. So he gives you a car, right? You're like, thank you, Lord. And then, you know, uh, and then, you know, that car starts to rust and the, uh, it starts to break down and things like that happen. And, and those, things, the, those things will fade, right? But really the truth of the matter, no matter what God gives us, those are, those are great gifts. But all we really should be seeking is who he is. Not just his hands. Sometimes uh, as believers, all we, God, give me, give me, give me, give me, give me, give me. Imagine if your kids came up to you and that's all they did. Give me, give me, give me, give me, give me, give me. You know what you're going to do? No, 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 no. I'm looking at some of you moms right now and you're going, "Mm mm-hmm, I do that all the time. But it's different when your kid comes up to you and you're sitting there in your chair and you're watching TV and, you know. You're, I'll just use Zaylee, and, and I'm just sitting there, and Zaylee just comes up, and she gets beside me, and she hugs on me, and I'm like, Zaylee, what do you want? Right? You know, no. Um, but it's different when she says, Dad, I, I was glad to see you, and how's your day? And you know what? That, there's a difference there. So then I want to do something for her because, you know what? She's not seeking me for what I can give her. She's seeking me because she loves who I am. Amen. That's beautiful. So you say this, well, Pastor, I, I don't have time to seek him with all my heart. That's not true. You make time for golf. You make time for the lake. You make time to fix your house. You make time to go to the dentist. Smile. Yep. Most of you are going to the dentist. You make time to go shopping. All of us, without exception, have time. It's what we prioritize. We're all given the same amount of time. I'm not a billionaire in time. You're not a billionaire. We all get 24 hours. You can get an extra day on a leap year. All right, praise the Lord, right? But I want to I just tell you this. All of us do what we want, and either we make time for God or we make time for what we think is a value to us. Throughout history, the common denominator for those who have been blessed by God, for those who realize, hey, I enjoy God's company, and I want to be as close to him as possible. It's a beautiful thing. When we seek him with all our hearts, we don't earn brownie points for hanging out with him. But just hanging out with him opens doors of fabulous blessing, right? That's what happens. He just, man, he just begins to make things way if we could only get this truth in, in, in our modern church, look at this, verse 7. By faith, Noah, being warned by God concerning events as yet unseen, in the reverent fear, constructed an ark for the saving of his household. By this, he condemned the world and became an heir of the righteousness that, become, that comes by faith. So 20 years before his first child was born, Noah, God gave Noah a plan, and he began to construct an ark with rooms for his sons and their wives. That takes faith because that didn't even exist when he started. Amen. By faith, he said, hey, my sons and my family and their wives, they're going to need to be saved, so I am providing a place for them. I'm, I'm creating the ark of salvation that God has told me to design, and I, I'm going to make that for them. So every parent in here, man, you ought, to, you ought to underline that verse. You ought to circle that verse. You ought to highlight that verse. You ought to write that verse on your heart because, listen to me, by faith we could say, with the hammer of intercession, praying for our kids, I plead the blood of Jesus over my kids. God, protect.
protect my kids. God, help my kids to make good choices in one hand and the nail of instruction in the other. I believe that we can, we can use our efforts. God, in my meager efforts as a parent, God, that you can bless my children, Lord, that you will save them. Amen. Verse 8, by faith Abraham obeyed when he was called to go out to the place that he was to receive as an inheritance. And he went out not knowing where he was going. Sounds like a lot of us men. I know I'm going somewhere. I'm not going to turn the GPS on because I'm too good for the GPS. Right? I know where I am better than the GPS knows where I am. I'm lost. But Abraham goes out to a place that he did not even know where he's going. I don't know about you. I don't like to go on trips where I don't know where I'm going. One of the, one of the worst things on a missions trip is you just, by faith, you get on a bus. And they're like, hey, we're taking you to this town. Okay, wherever that is in this country, blah, 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 blah. You just drive, bounce along on the bad roads. And Abraham didn't know where he was going. He just started moving. And let me tell you something, that's one of the hardest things about faith is this. I, I don't have all the details for all our detail-oriented people. God, I need all the details before I can take this step. God's just saying, take the step and I'll show you. Most of us will start moving when we, when we uh, get our, uh, our, our, our map of Ur. And, and you know, that's where, that's where Abraham was from. And saying, man, Lord, if you'll give me this map from Ur to Mesopotamia, then I'll step out, Lord. Then I'll go. But that's not the way God said, just go and I will show you this place. And that's, God doesn't always give us all the details. And, and God works the way that he wants to work. And then the arena of faith, it's one step at uh, time, and I'm grateful for that. I get confused by many steps. You know when they get, you pull those little papers out from the Ikea thing and you're building your shelf? It's one step at a time. You know why? How many have got ahead? Oh, I'm going to start doing this, and then, oh, four steps ago, I should have put this on. Now i got to take all this back apart, right? Yeah, come on. One step at, at God's trying to say, hey, I've got this. Stop pushing this. I will give you what you need. A step of faith is a prerequisite for a man or a woman to be used by God. He said this, leave and go to a land and I'll show you. And Abraham, you and Sarah will have a son. Abraham, now, you know, that's, that's one step, okay. Your wife's barren, now you're going to have a son. Whew, okay, that's, that's funny, God. Abraham, now, go sacrifice your son. What in the world are you doing? One step at a time. The Levites carrying the Ark of the Covenant, and they, they were carrying that, and they were getting ready to cross the Jordan River, and they went out before. And the Bible says this, that the river did not cease, they could not get across until their feet, what, hit the water. That means that you got to take a step of faith when you don't understand all the details. Some of us are standing on the Jordan River, and God's like, I need you to take a step of faith. You're like, God, if, if I step out in the water, the Ark's going to go down. And, all, and God's just saying, just take the step. It's plain and simple. It's so easy, but, but man, it's so tough because we're humans. But without faith, it's, it's impossible to please God. Why? Because he needs men and women of faith. And he, he doesn't want to see you fall, and he doesn't want to see you go into agony, and, and, and he's got a plan. Amen? Faith in the now or, the li or, or, or in, uh, in our lifetime seems like, like a mean joke, really, when you think about it. But if we put our faith in perspective of eternity, whew, really small. Even if I don't know where I'm going, like Abraham, God, I, I'll just trust you. I'll just trust you. Verse 9, by faith he went 
to live in the land of promise as in a foreign land, living in tents with Isaac and Jacob, heirs with him of the same promise. For he was looking forward to a city that has foundations whose designer and builder is who? Oh, Abraham wasn't looking for a physical city. He was looking for a city that God was designing. See, th that's our problem. We, we think we have to see it with a, right, right? Faith comes by hearing and hearing the word of God, right? And, and so if faith, we walk by faith, not by, so I don't have to see the city, God, but I know that you're the builder. He, it was bigger than what we can even imagine. So why did, why did Abraham embark on such a journey? Because he was looking for that city that had a foundation whose builder and maker was God. While always knowing, hey, I know I'm not going to find it on this earth. I understand that, but I, I'm just going to keep going where he tells me to go. When we moved from California to Bedford, uh, I, listen, I could have been, we could have been paralyzed with fear. In reality, right? Oh, we're in the middle of COVID when we came here and all this stuff. I could have said, man, this is crazy. There's no way I'm leaving uh, California coming right here to central or uh, southern Indiana. Come on, somebody, right? But, but here's, what if I go and what if it doesn't work out, Right? Real questions. Those are fair questions. What if I go and they don't like me? What if I go and, and, and it's not working out? What, and some of you say, uh, you may ask, well, what if it doesn't work out? What if, what if I, I marry this person? Don't worry, it won't work out. Listen, what are you saying, Pastor? What if I take this job? Don't worry, it won't work out. What I'm trying to say is this. You will never be a man or a woman of faith if you are looking for fulfillment here in the now. I'm not saying that, hey, you oughtn't, you oughtn't pray about who you should marry. Listen, I, your marriage is going to work here in the now. But listen, your marriage will not bring you fulfillment that, that God can bring. Your job will not bring you fulfillment that God can bring. That's what I'm trying to say there. It, it's not success in ministry. It's not a geographical location. It's not a job. It's not who you marry. No, 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 it's like Abraham. Don't, don't look for the city whose foundations are built on earth, but look for, uh, uh, for eternity, and you'll experience heaven in your heart no matter where you go. People ask us all the time. Man, we see pastors all the time. They're like, man, how do you like Indiana? And I love it because Tristan's response is always, she's a California girl. We're born and raised, California girl. I wish they all could be. All right, but she's born and raised, and here she is living in Indiana, you know, where there's bugs and there's storms and there's everything else, right? And, and you know, everyone's always expecting Tristan to be like, well, you know. And Tristan says, I love it. You know why? Because the call of God is something bigger than just a geographical location. Something bigger. It's, it's faith. It's based on, hey, it doesn't matter where my feet are planted physically on this earth. I am searching for the city whose builder and maker is God. Amen. And God will take you as far as you want to go spiritually but, and not a step further. Here's what I know about God. He'll take you wherever you want to go, but he's not going to make you go any further than where you stop. Abraham took his first step from Ur to look for that promise, and he never stopped. He just kept going. I'm, I'm looking. I, and he could have stopped early. And, 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 but here's, the, you know, sometimes you just got to do it in baby steps, right? He, I mean, what about Bob? Baby steps, baby steps. Some of you know what I'm talking about, right? And he, he's trying to get through the day. But it takes faith to keep going. Some people 
you know, look at pastors and I look at missionaries and, and they're like, man, well, they are secretly, spiritually all put together and everything is great and God just continues to bless them. You know why God continues to bless pastors and missionaries and people like that? Because they don't stop. They just keep putting one foot in front of the other. Hard times come. I'm going to keep going. Hey, people leave the church. I'm going to keep going because I know that I am looking for a city. Amen. Verse 11, by faith, Sarah herself received the power to conceive even when she was past the age since she uh, considered him faithful who had promised. Verse 12, therefore, from one man and him as, as good as dead were born descendants as many as the stars of the heavens and as many as the uh, innumerable grains and sand of the seashore. That was God's promise to Abraham. Hey, boom, there's a lineage that's going to come out of your loins, and it is going to outnumber the stars and the grains of sand. That is amazing. How many know that's an awesome promise? Oh, but his wife was barren. Wait, <laughs> this can't be, Lord. Faith. Faith. Well, what did his wife uh, of the father of faith do when the two angels showed up at their tent and tell them, hey, you're going to have a child in Genesis 18, 12. It says this. She laughed. <laughs> Good joke. I don't know about you, but when I hear that, that encourages me because her faith was small. And sometimes God says, hey, I'm going to do this. And I'm like, <laughs> God's like, oh, you just wait and see, Skiles. I got you. I got you. Yet Jesus tells us that if we have faith of a mustard seed, we could look at the mountain and we can say to the mountain, hey, be moved, and we could cast it into So it just takes a little bit of faith, right? Sarah's story, it encourages me because sometimes God will tell me something in my heart or show me something in his word, and I laugh in disbelief like Sarah. But here's the good thing. When I do that, God, God honored the seed of faith within her, and the child who came name means Isaac, which means laughter. I love that. That's a beautiful thing. I love the Lord. Verse 13 says this. These all died in faith, not having received the, the things promised, but having seen them. Even though Abraham never saw his offspring number more than the stars in the heavens. And, and, and in Isaac, he saw the beginning of the fulfillment of his promise. That's cool. You know, every promise starts somewhere. And he saw it, hey, from Isaac. And then it went to Jacob. And, and then there's 12. And, and then it just kept growing and growing. And then all of a sudden there's three and a half million people that need to be brought out of Egypt. Story, I'm getting ahead of myself right here, right here. So uh, it's beautiful. And greeted them from afar and having acknowledged that they were strangers and exiles on earth. So Abraham uh, was one who was characterized by two objects, a tent and an altar. He was a wanderer and a worshiper. He was a pilgrim and a priest. And so, too, do I look around the world and I feel like, hey, every day I feel like I fit in a little bit less and less. Come on. I'm being real. All right? I, I do. Because, I, I, man, our culture, our world is, man, it's, it's getting chaotic. It's getting crazy. But like Abraham, you know what I'm craving? I'm, looking, I'm craving for a city that I, that I haven't seen yet. But I, but I know that God's creating. Look at this, verse 14. For people who speak thus make it clear that they are seeking a homeland. If they had been thinking of that land from which they had gone out, they would have had opportunity to return. Verse 16, but as it is, they desire a better country that is uh, a heavenly one. Therefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he has prepared for them a city. So Abraham was not craving to go back to Ur. No, he, he, was, he was looking for a better country. There's an old song um, uh, that, uh, that says heaven is... Is sounding sweeter every day. My grandpa sings it. And, and, and I, I don't know. I couldn't agree more. 
with that song. Honestly, it's beautiful. Verse 17, by faith, Abraham, when he was tested, offered up Isaac, and he had received the promises, was in the act of offering up his only son. So the King James Version says that Isaac is the begotten son. And remember, Abraham had two sons, right? There was Ishmael, who he had with his handmaiden, you know, tried to speed, help God out. Hey, uh, Sarah's not having a baby 30 years, so I, I'll, uh, you know, and Sarah's like, hey, why don't you take my handmaiden? Why don't you have a baby with her? So they have Ishmael, and then God sends the promise Isaac. So the writer here is saying begotten because in Genesis chapter 22 calls Isaac the begotten as Abraham and says that he climbed Mount Moriah with him. And let, look, I want you to look at this. God did not acknowledge Ishmael. Stop and think about that for a minute. That's good news for you and me because Ishmael is a reminder of what happens when the flesh rules. And Isaac is a picture of what happens when God fulfills his promise. And so uh, uh, he does not re- uh, remember them is what the scripture says. Uh, Hebrews eight twelve our sins, you know, and, and that's, that's a beautiful thing. And, and he does not hold our sins against us. And how many are glad that the things of the flesh, that God's like, hey, I, 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 I'm not going to hold that against you, all right? I'm, I'm going to let that, but I'm looking at Isaac. So look at this, verse 18. Of whom it was said, through Isaac shall your offspring be named. He considered that God was able to even to raise him from the dead, from which, uh, figuratively speaking, he did receive him back. You guys know the story. He's up there, and he's going to sacrifice him, and God sends the, the ram, and he stops stops Abraham, right? So he, yeah, I mean, basically, I don't know if I'd have been Isaac, but like, woo, woo, that was a near-death experience, right? That had been a scary thing. No one, according to Scripture, had been raised from the dead in Abraham's time. So so leaving his servants at the bottom of the mountain, look, look at this faith of Abraham. Oh, I, I love this. He says this to them. He says, hey, we're going to go up and worship together. And he says this very thing. We will be back. Plural. We will be back. Not even realizing the faith. He was full of faith indeed. I love that. Verse 20. By Isaac, by, uh, by faith, Isaac invoked future blessings on Jacob and Esau. By faith, Jacob, when dying, blessed each of his sons of Joseph, bowing in worship over the head of his staff. So Isaac and Jacob blessed their sons and grandchildren. And notice there are, there are three components to, to a biblical blessing. First, we see tender affection. That is, that is just a tender connection. That's a, a, a touch. A blessing was pronounced while laying hands upon the head of the child. A few years ago, there was a survey of 400 women who had, who had uh, gave birth uh, uh, four or more times outside of marriage, and they discovered a common denominator in these women. This is amazing. The common denominator was not income, was not education, was not race, and was not religion. Look at this. It was that they lacked being embraced properly by a loving father or a grandfather. There was an emptiness. Listen to me, dads. In here, be tender to your, to your kids. Be tender to your grandkids. Embrace them. Show them what it means to be loved. Second, we, we present, uh, when we present a blessing, is, is affirmation. Biblical blessing always contains fitting words of description. So, uh, you know, it, you might hear something like this, like a fruit vine overflowing the walls, uh, or, you know, they might talk to the child. You're like a fruit vine that's overflowing. I don't know what joy that is to be a fruit vine that's overflowing the walls. I guess you're just abundant or whatever. You're a hairy person. I don't know what that blessing is. Or or maybe you're a you're a crouching lion with strength. Man, those, that, those are beautiful things. And this showed that their parents saw some potential in them. 
but I see a future in you. I'm affirming that, hey, you're going to do good things. Listen to me, parents. Stop beating up your kids. I'm not talking physically. I'm talking about with your words. Start blessing them. Start telling them, hey, you are chosen by God. God is going to use you. You're going to do amazing things. You're smart. Lastly was the uh, future directions. How many know that kids today need this more than ever? Hey, you've got a plan. You've, you've got a future. We should actually have the privilege of saying, son, I, I, could, I could see you preaching one day. Or, son, I could see you running this company one day. Or, son, I could see you graduating at the top of your class. I could see you as an astronaut or a missionary or whatever. Beautiful things. It's important for parents and grandparents to dispense blessing continually. Yet, it takes faith to do such a thing. Because guess what? We don't know what's going to happen, but we're going to speak those things over our, over our kids and grandkids. Amen? Verse 22, by faith, Joseph, at the end of his life, made mention of the exodus of the Israelites and gave directions concerning his boat. So how many remember the story of Joseph? He, he died, in, and he was, you know, second in command, and, and he died in, in Egypt. And he knew that he was not of Egyptian blood. He knew that he was from, uh, you know, Hebrew blood. And even though he himself died in Egypt, Joseph knew that and had faith that the people would reach the promised land. He was already looking past Egypt. He's going on and he said this, hey, hey, when I die, guys, grab my bones and get them out of Egypt. They do not belong here. Take me to the promised land when you guys get there. That's faith. Amen. Verse 23, by faith, Moses, when he was born, was hidden for three months by his parents because they saw that the child was beautiful and they were not afraid of the king's ed uh, edict. So it was by faith that, that uh, Jacobed and, and, and Amram said that their son Moses, uh, you know, hey, he's a, he's a beautiful boy. He is a special boy. He is a good little boy. He's got potential, right? beautiful that's a blessing he's going to be used by God mom and dad speak blessings over your kids if you think they won't amount to anything guess what they won't if you tell them they won't amount to anything those things get into them listen you're starting generational curses within your kids speak life over them speak blessing over them knowing Moses was special they went to great lengths to try to preserve his life. They didn't even know if it worked, but by faith, hey, Lord, we're just going to trust you to push that little baby out. Oh, there's that woman over there. Oh, she's grabbing him. She's picking him up. Oh, who can resist a baby? Come on, yeah. Right? God made a way. By faith, Moses, when he was grown up, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter. It takes a lot of faith when you're raised by somebody, right, to be separated from somebody. He was not only the... The lawgiver, the deliverer, and the historian of the of the nation of Israel. Moses was also the meekest man uh, on the face of the earth, is what Numbers twelve three says. That's strength under control. This is why the Jewish people esteem him higher than the angels. Is what the, the this is what they do. They they hold him up on a pedestal. There are seven characteristics of Moses over the next five verses. Remember, uh, this is written to the Jews, so so their ears when they hear Moses, they're like, "Ooh, we like Moses." So they're perking up. They're listening to it. And so, number one, Moses, Moses chose humility. He, in this verse, it tells us that he refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter. He, he chose humility. He could have stayed in the palace, but he chose humility. He refused to be called the son of Pharaoh. He's like, I'm not interested in the title of prince or, or like the Duke of York. Or, or I'm not interested in the title. I'm not interested in the throne. No, Moses says, Forget the titles. I'm not interested in prestige. I'm not interested in power. 
I'm not interested in prosperity. I'm just interested in being used by God, whatever that is. This, this is a great example of how God uses the humble, right? Look at this, verse 25. Choosing rather to be mistreated with the people of God than to enjoy the fleeting pleasures of sin. Oh, 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 I love that about Moses. Moses chooses to suffer. I don't know about you. I'd have been in an argument with God on this one. I don't, I don't sign up to suffer. I don't like that. Oh, can I tell you something? There is pleasure in sin for a season. You can go have fun in the world. You'll have fun for a while. You ask any person as an alcoholic on the street. I mean, you can, you can just drive up to Bloomington and drive around. You can probably find somebody and say, how did you get this way? Well, I didn't intend to be here. You talk to somebody who's struggling with alcoholism or, or they're addicted to drugs. It's like, I didn't mean to get to this place. I didn't mean to, for it to be this bad. You know, sin is, is a terrible thing, and it always causes great heartache and always confusion. Here's what I'll tell you. At this present time in your life, you, you, you can either give into your flesh and have a moment of, uh, of pleasure now, but you're going to have a lifetime of pain if you stay with that. Or you could say no to your flesh. There may be a little bit of pain. It's like, man, I, I really want to go do that. I really want to go do that. But what you're gaining is an eternity of pleasure, and it's, it's your choice. I've never heard anyone say, I'm grateful for my moral failure. I'm, I'm grateful that I had an affair. I, I'm grateful that I, that I committed all these sins and, and when I was going to God. I'm grateful for all those things. I, I'm, as a pastor, I've never heard anybody just brag about what they've done and that, that's immoral. Almost always they say, man, if I could go back, I would change that. I would go back and I would, I would reverse that if I, if I could. Verse 26 says this. He considered the reproach of Christ greater uh, wealth than the treasures of Egypt, for he was looking to the reward. Verse uh, or Number three, Moses uh, invested in eternal things. He was interested in eternal things. When we walk in obedience, God blesses us in the natural and in the eternal. So, so it makes me think of that song, you know, uh, I'd rather have Jesus, right, than men's applause. Man, I, I love that. I love that song because it's like it's more than anything in this world. This world could give me a lot of things. I'd rather have Jesus. What good is it to gain the whole world but lose your souls? What Scripture tells us, verse 27 says this, by faith he left Egypt, not being afraid uh, of the anger of the king. And so number four, Moses walked out. Uh, 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 with the world's wrath. So he walked out of there. He, he, he grew up in the palace, and, and he understood Pharaoh's court. And, he, uh, and, 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 man, those people were actually his colleagues, you know, same level. Hey, we'll talk to you. We, we, you know, you, he could say things that no one else could say in their presence. And the people we're the most familiar with are often the people it's the hardest to take a stand against. In our lives. And that, not, not so with Moses. He's like, no, no, no. I know you guys are really good. This isn't right. I know God's got something better. For he endured as seeing him who is invisible. So number five, Moses developed a spiritual eyesight. He didn't, he, he walked by faith. He didn't walk by sight. I'm seeing something beyond what my present situation. Some of you are going through something right now. Get your eyes fixed on something else and don't worry about this. And say, God, I trust you with this. Take care of this. One skeptic said, I don't believe in, in blind faith, and I agree with that. And as a believer, we see more than the unbeliever sees. We should be able to see beyond what, what's happening. Like Moses, we see the invisible. 
All right, verse 28, by faith he kept Passover and sprinkled the blood so that the destroyer of the firstborn might not touch him. So uh, uh, so Moses kept the Passover, and the Greek word there kept means continual action, not just once over and over. So why did he do this? Why did he do that to keep the death angel from coming back, right? Jesus Christ was our Passover, amen? He was the blood, the blood applied. And, and listen, I'm reminded when we when we take communion, we remember that and we go back to that and say, thank you, Lord, for the price that you paid for us. Verse 29, by faith, the people crossed the Red Sea as on dry land, but the Egyptians, when they attempted to do the same, were drowned. So verse 7, Moses kept the ordinance of baptism. He said, we didn't know what baptism existed. What are you talking about, Pastor? There was no baptism back then. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, there was a baptism. The Egyptians got baptized that day. All right, look at this. So look, at 1 Corinthians 10, Two, it says the pairing of the Red Sea was the picture of baptism. So look at this. The same water that parted for the Israelites drowned the Egyptians. You think about that? And sometimes we don't even realize that. We don't, we're not, the same water that parted, psh, I'm making a miracle for you, and boom. So to do uh, this when we are water baptized, Jesus, hey, he's setting us free. I, I'm bearing my sinful nature. My, my new man is coming forward, and I'm heading to the land of promise. Verse 30, by faith, the walls of Jericho fell, fell down, and they had been encircled for seven days. So God's plan for Israel and the promised land was this, to come up the middle of the promised land and separate the north and the south, basically just kind of to wedge it. The problem is Jericho was the first place that they had to deal with, amen, and, and it was a stronghold. And how many know sometimes there are strongholds in our life that God wants us to deal with, amen, to get us to our promised land? The people of Jericho probably laughed, and they were probably mocking the Israelites as they were walking around. Look at them. They're just walking. They're not even saying anything. You guys are dumb. You guys are, are so foolish for doing that. And by faith, they trusted God's plan. But when the walls came down, right, by faith, by faith. Maybe, maybe there are walls between you and your kids, or maybe there are walls between you and your spouse. And, and, and here's the thing. Uh, you know, walls are not built easy, but they're built on pain sometimes. And they're built on situations. And, and it's one brick at a time. And we start to build walls, right? It's separation between each other. Oh, come on. Come on. You guys know what I'm talking about. And sometimes, man, listen, I think it's good, you know, to get counseling and all those great things. And, and things, you know, things about those, they deal with those one brick at a time. Uh, but listen, man, when you put it under the blood of Jesus Christ, he is the one who can do the miraculous in your life and the things that were broken and there was a wall God could break down and God can mend relationships come on and God can change your stony heart and God can make you soft hearted and God can make your kids soft hearted amen come on somebody I, I'm getting a little preachy up in here right now up in here up in here Woo! it's not my own efforts and faith, but it's faith in God and can I tell you something, the taller and the thicker the wall, and the longer and harder we have to pray and fast about it. It may take a month, it may take a week, it may take a year, it may take a decade. Just trust God and be obedient to him. Verse 31, by faith, Rahab the prostitute did not perish with those who were disobedient because she had given friendly welcome to the spies. So here alongside the names of Moses and Joshua, we find seemingly an unlikely member of the hall of faith, Rahab, not even a Jew, a prostitute, a lady who, who ran a house uh, of, of women, of irrefute. 
Yet God used her. You know what that tells me? God will use whomever he wants to fulfill his purpose. So don't tell me, don't tell me that the drunk on the side of the road, God cannot use. Don't tell me the person that is out and about that God cannot use. God will fulfill his plan. Oh, man, I feel the anointing in here. Verse 32. And what more shall I say? For time would fail uh, me to tell of Gideon, Barak, Samson, uh, Japheth, uh, David, and Samuel, and all the prophets. Uh, verse 33, who through faith, what? They conquered kingdoms, enforced justice, uh, obtained promises, stopped the mouths of lions, quenched the power of, uh, of fire, escaped the edge of the sword, were made strong out of weakness, became mighty in war, but put foreign armies to flight. Verse 35, Women uh, received back their dead by resurrection. So the dead were raised. The fire was quenched. The lions' mouths were shut. And, and, and there were sure victories, and there was power, and there was deliverance. And listen, all because of faith. And I, I'll just warn you, watch out. Watch out for so-called faith preachers sometimes. And listen, uh, and I'm not, I don't want to be mean and I never want to call out. But, but listen, we got to understand that, that, that there's, there's people who say, hey, uh, you know, just speak it into existence. And I believe in faith. But uh, people who say, hey, you can always say the dead will rise and the sick will be healed and your bank accounts will swell. But, but the passage goes on to tell us something else right here. And, if you, and, and listen, if you stop, you'll, you'll miss it. But look at this. Listen, look, it says this. Some... Were what? Some were what? So some didn't get the mouths of the lions shut. Some were what? Refusing to accept release so that they might rise again to a better life. Others what? Say it. Others what? Mocking and flogging and even chains and imprisonment. Verse 37, they were stoned and they were sawn in two. They were killed with swords and they went out uh, about in skins of sheep and goats, destitute, afflicted, mistreated. Verse 38, of whom the world was not worthy, wandering about in deserts and mountains and in dens and caves of the earth. In verses 33 through 35, faith gave people victory over their circumstances. But look at this, in verses 35 through 38, you could write this down. Faith gave others victory in their circumstances. Sometimes God will give you victory over your circumstance. Sometimes God will give you victory through your circumstance. And the latter were, uh, were those who, because they saw the big picture, they, they left an internal impression on the world. I don't know uh, why, why God delivers some uh, people. I don't know why God heals some people and God doesn't heal others. I don't know. He's God and you ain't. That's what I'll tell you. He's God and I ain't. His ways are higher than mine. I don't understand everything, but all I know is I put my trust in you, Lord, regardless how it turns out. Verse 39, all these through, uh, commended through their faith did not, receive, uh, did not receive what was promised. Promise here is the central th uh, theme of Hebrews. Promise of what? The promise here is the new covenant. I mean, we went through all this. The promise here is the new covenant. This is, you know, what is the new covenant? The promise of the new covenant is promise of salvation by faith, by believing, by trusting God. Since God had provided something better for us, we've seen 
the lion's mouth shut. We've seen the parting of the Red Sea. We've seen fire falling from heaven. But in reality, listen, we have experienced something more miraculous than any of the people in the Old Testament experienced. Let me tell you why. The Lord lives in your heart. His spirit dwells within you. He walks with us every moment, every day. He gives us personal direction. He's helping me as I go along. Man, he takes me by the hands. He stops and he talks to me and he listens to me. Listen to me. We take those for granted daily. But can I tell you something? If you were to take some of the characters in the Old Testament, they'd be like, he gets to live inside of you. That is amazing. Look at this, that apart from us, they should not be made perfect. So the heroes of faith didn't experience the perfection of maturity we enjoy in the new covenant. So how do we receive this covenant? Everyone say it. By faith. By faith. By faith. I say this, Lord, I, I too am looking for a better, better city whose maker and builder is God. By faith, Lord, I'll see greater things than this list of heroes. Right? By faith, I, I know you'll, you'll, you'll carry me. Those things were, were great. They were external things. But I, I've been given a chance to experience the same great miracles internally. Internally. The, the promise of your kingdom ultimately and the promise of your presence eternally. God lives in me and his kingdom ultimately and his presence eternally. I mean, how many are grateful to be a child of God? How many are grateful for that?